Hey, welcome to Younger and Older with Jason and Dave, and we're excited. We're always excited. I love hanging out and chatting with you, Dave. It's fun. It's regardless of whatever the topic is, it's just fun to hang out and talk and encourage and and really just challenge thinking. Yep. You know, I think that's that's the the point of conversation. I think we lose sight of that sometimes when we have conversation. We do. It's nice to move beyond sports or the weather or um, or how awesome I am over you and and things like that. But, yeah, you well, know, we can move on from those. That things. discussion would be very short. Which is why we're moving on, <laughs> <laughs> because it would just there would, you would have no no argument against it. That's why yeah, I wouldn't. Short. I wouldn't. So, uh, but no, it's great. I'm sure everyone saw me wink online. Yes, they they clearly saw you wink. They clearly did. Because we, we should we, do a live one. Do someday. Swedes wink? No, we 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 look like we wink, but we just have long eyelids. Oh, gotcha. So we don't really. We just have an eyelid that kind of droops. Oh, okay. And droopy. people go, hey, he's winking. No, it's really a droopy eyelid. Gotcha. Oh, in <laughs> yeah. my day, we called those lazy eyes. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> we call them droopy. It's one of the uh, seven dwarfs. Oh, right, right. Yeah. I missed that one. Yeah, droopy. He's one. <laughs> <laughs> he has droopy eyelids. He has droopy drawers. <laughs> <laughs> so they had to name him droopy. Ah, uh, droopy drawers. Yeah. That was a fad when I was in like, I don't know, well, junior high? It still is if you have like a dad bod. It's called a belt, Dave. Yeah, no, yeah. You can still have droopy drawers. <laughs> Depends. You know, some, no, I mean, some bodies are just more made for the droopy drawer. Well, look. people I mean, would intentionally like wear them at their. And there's still people out there that 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 like that trend. Now, why? You know, there's some things. Excuse me. In my generation, I don't get. Okay. Droopy drawers is obviously one of them. Well, I, mean, I don't. I, there's something in my generation. I, don't I mean, you can't run. You can't do anything. It's kind of like. It, you're tripping over your pants. Because I also remember there was like a fad when I was in like late junior high school where like the legs of the pants were like as round as like a, you know, oh, yeah. a basketball. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, just the legs. Yeah. You know. And yeah. I don't know if those are still out there. And, I, you know, if you're wearing them and you're listening, I apologize and if I offended you. But I don't get it. Well, I grew up in the 60s. You know. And in the 70s. And I actually wore paisley bell bottoms. Well, those are bell bottoms. You know, and, yep. and, I, and I understand that. Yeah. But I'm talking about like the straight down like. Oh, yeah. Know, from you the could top. fit like, you know, three people. It's like the same size as the yeah. waist, but on each leg. Yeah. Well, I kind of like, I wish baggy stuff would go back in. You know, I've, yeah. always, I've always worn baggy stuff anyway. You should get one size bigger. Well, so. I, back in the day, you actually got a better value. Oh, yeah. You know, because you actually paid for the fabric <laughs> that you would actually get. Yeah. Nowadays, you pay more and you get less fabric. But but here's the funny thing, you know, I have a I have a jean jacket, all right, one of those jean jackets that go to the waist. Okay, you're dating yourself. I know, and I and I wore it for a a dress up thing, just a skit kind of thing, you know. And yep. I had it back in the '60s, late '60s, early '70s. Yeah, actually, it was, it was more like early '70s. Thing is, I I used it to take care of the horses here. Thing is, worn out, ugly. I don't know how many kids said, "Hey, where'd you get that?" Oh yeah. It's coming I'm, back. I'm wearing I'm wearing this old beat up piece of junk, and, and these kids are going, that is that? that. Where'd you get that? I mean, where can I can I buy one of those? That's yeah, right. back in the '60s or '70s, you could buy this one, <laughs> and uh, it, it's just kind of funny that styles do that. It, you know, I, the other thing I can't understand is, and I don't know if this is still in or not, but people buy jeans that are worn out already. Yeah, yeah. Come on now. <laughs> Why don't you buy ones that you can wear? And the ironic out? thing is that the pair of jeans you buy, you could probably buy four of them for the pair of jeans that they buy. I know, I know. It's really kind of funny because it's. I see someone going, "Look at, look at these are great." I'm going, they're worn out. 
Those are when you, you, you bring them to Goodwill and hope they take them. <laughs> but then, and then somebody bought, maybe they bought them from Goodwill. Uh, they might have. They might have. I tell you what, I got There's anyone out there that wears a 36 waist, that's me, I wear 36. I have some really old, worn out jeans. If you want some really old, worn out jeans, top I, dollar. I've got them. Top dollar. You know what? You come say hi to me. I, I could give them to you. There you go. So if you want a pair of jeans, old, I mean, old, worn out, vintage, you know, that splattered maybe with some grease or something. Oh, even I mean, better. I, that's I got premium. Them. Yeah, I use them for work. I wouldn't wear them anywhere else. Oh, man. So come to my house while I'm doing wood or something, and I'll have them on, and you could take a look at them. And if you really, really like them, make me an offer. <laughs> I'll make you an offer you can't remember. Yeah, make me an offer. You could you could be the owner of them. I, I'll, I'll give you a dime. Well, that may do it. There you go. That may do it. Because after a while, your jeans, you know, I mean, I jeans, why don't they ever go out of style, really? Jeans? Yeah. Just, I, I don't know. They've been in style in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. I mean, some, you can always wear jeans. Yes, it always. Seems. And most people do. And, and I have for all those years. So I have them right. somewhere. Right. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, anyway. it's irrelevant, but it, it, yeah. one of those generational things that I look at and go, okay, go ahead and buy yourself worn out jeans. Um, I'm not a part of that. I'm going to buy brand new ones that look new. Well, now you buy those fire hose things. Oh, I have a pair of those. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm not a fireman or anything, so I feel pretty young and cool when you, I wear you, those. You feel hep? I feel hep and hip. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I do. I go out there and go, I'm the hep hip guy. Oh, man. Or the hip hep guy. I'm glad I'm in a relationship with you, dude. Yeah, well. In, in a, in a, I mean, a friendship. You know, yep. it's a relationship. Yep, it but, is. Uh, you know, did you know uh, what makes a healthy relationship? Um, Hip jeans. Yeah, that's part of it. No. <laughs> Nothing to do with it. <laughs> Is it uh, time spent together? You know what? The Bible makes things clear that everything about life is relational. Everything. Yep. And it starts with a relationship with God, and then it, it goes to a relationship with people. Yep. Okay, so you were talking about we have a relationship. We do. We're, we're friends. We're yep. coworkers. We're, we're um, visionaries together here at Silverbird yep. Ranch doing things. At too. times goofballs. Yeah, but, I mean, there's a relationship there. Yep. You have a relationship with your wife. I have one with mine. It's different than this relationship. It's a it's a different level of relationship. Yep. You have children. That's a different relationship. Yep. I also have a relationship with your wife that's different than yours, obviously, and with your children, which is different than yours. Right. So right. so there's relationships at all kinds of levels, you know, yes. out there. Here's what's the same about all relationships. Yes. What is it? They're really about the other person, not about you. So in my life. I am made a certain way, and if I malfunction, I'm going to be in trouble. So I'm made to be in relationship with God. Therefore, when I say that, it's all about God, not about Dave. Right. So when I say I'm in a relationship, I'm saying it's all about whoever I'm in a relationship with. So it's about God. Yeah. And, and when you're in a relationship with God, who's always right mm -hmm. and loves you, is your creator and sustainer, there's a way that you behave in that relationship. You obey him. Yeah. That's the only alternative in a relationship with God mm -hmm. because he's never wrong. He's always got your back. He's always wanting what's right for you. So the only logical conclusion is to obey him. So if you're not obeying God, you're not, then you're not in a relationship with him. Right, right. 
Straight out simple. It doesn't mean he's not your father. You could have understood that you need to put your trust in Christ and you're sinful and God loves you. I mean, you could have done, you could have understood this and being God's family, but you're not really walking with him or in a relationship if you're not obeying him. Right. Now, it's a little different for you and I. I mean, there are levels that, that obviously you could say, well, you need to obey this person. Uh, he's over you in this, this structure of a business or something. I understand that. Right. But in, in personal relationships, it's a little different. Yeah. Because we're not dealing with perfect, perfect people. Mm-hmm. So in personal relationships, my goal is to look at you and say, okay, if I love Jason as, as the friend that he is, then my concern is that he is successful at everything God made him to be successful at, and that's my job is to help him be there. Right. So it doesn't mean that I'm enabling you. Right. In other words, letting you do things and hurt yourself and just because, oh, yeah, I care about you, so I let you do things that will be harmful. I don't, I don't do that. Right. Likewise, I can do that to your wife and to your children, and, and you need to trust me as a friend that I would actually have that mind frame. Right, right. Uh, in fact, the other day I was holding a little baby, little baby, and, a, and a, a young boy came up to me, ran up to me and tried to grab this less than one-year-old away from me. Mm-hmm. And I turned my back to the boy. And it was obvious I was sheltering that baby. Yeah. And I spun the baby around. There was another mom next to me, and I handed the baby to her real quickly. Yeah. And then I turned around and said, can I help you? Yeah, to the other one. Yeah. And the mom of the child who was in a discussion turned to me and said, thank you. <laughs> I said, I'm a dad. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, oh, yeah. I, I went into a mode where I was doing what was best for everybody at the at the occasion. time, right, right. Now, the little boy was mad at me because I wouldn't hand the baby off to him. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know what? Let me teach you something. You don't run full speed towards a baby and grab it and try and run away. I mean, yep. we don't do that. Right. I know what that's like. Yep. I, I have a one-and-a-half-year-old that likes our two-month-old, yep. almost three-month-old. There you go. <laughs> and and what, what really you count on, and what I saw was this dynamic of relationships, okay? The, the mom, who we know well and we're close to, she... She wanted me to hold, she loves when I hold her child. So that's right. not a big deal. I mean, it's just getting used to an older guy that cares, for, you know, that kind of thing. So I'm holding. Yeah. But she was also thankful that I knew enough that I wasn't going to give in to pressure. Right. And that's part of the trust thing. So right. in relationships, see, that's what we're doing. We're obeying God and we're constantly looking to those people around us to say, how can I make their life what it should be? Right. Right. And not everybody naturally does that. No. You know, a lot of people, I think, sometimes feel like they have to use relationships for their own gain. You know, whether whether that's a, a conscious thing or a subconscious thing, you know, a lot of times we use relationships and almost use people for our own fulfillment. Right. You know, and that's when, you know, those relationships aren't the ones that last. Yeah. You know, you know if you make it about you, if, if you're in a relationship and you're in a relationship because it meets your needs... So you're in a relationship, say, because my needs are so important that this person meets my needs. What you're actually doing is using that other person. You're not loving that other person. Right. You cannot have a fulfilling relationship when you use somebody. Right. You can't do that. Right. You need to love them. Mm-hmm. Now, that does not mean there won't be times you're a jerk. You are. I'm, I am. It doesn't matter. We all are. Because we are still sinful. See, we're different than God. We're sinful people. And mm-hmm. there are times where I don't even want to be around myself. You know what I mean? Right. It's like, ugh, what an idiot. You know? Okay, that's part of relationships. 
Mm-hmm. That's why, and I think we should talk about this in the second half when we get together. That's why you don't make contracts with people. Right, right, yeah. Because everyone's going to break them. Right. You know, if I were to have a contract about our friendship, Dave, yeah. I don't even know what that would look like. Uh, it would be broken you know, but- because of the fact that you owe me pizza and you don't want to pay up. Right. So other than that, not a bad, not bad. Right. But you can't do contracts. No. Because relationships are alive. Right. They're organic. They are. To use and, a popular and, word. Yeah. So you, you need to be able to be in a relationship. And there's something that's way beyond a contractual understanding. Right. And those who, who really want that kind of thing, you know, buy a car. Right. Uh, and, and there's a contract there that they have to abide by. But don't, you don't buy a person and you don't get into a relationship because of your needs. Right. It does not mean that if you're in a relationship that you will not get anything out of it. That's not what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. But don't be in a relationship to meet your own needs. Right. Because then you're going to be very selfish the rest of your life in that relationship. And two people who are about themselves right. trying to have a relationship. It's not going to work. It can't. Right. You will get frustrated. You will get angry. I promise you this. You will blame the other person. Mm-hmm. Because it's all been about you the whole time anyway, and you will get out of that relationship someday, and it'll look tragic, and you'll still blame the other person. Right, right. And so I think that's that's important. I think we can we can dive in this uh, a little bit more, you know, because there are people out there that think that, especially when it comes to like a relationship with like somebody you fancy, you know, as they say in Northern Ireland, right? If you fancy somebody, you fancy or it. you know, uh, that you should have like a, a contract, you know, about your relationship, you know, and it's just like how do you how do you I don't even understand how it works, and, and people say that it is. So we're going to dive into that because yep. relationships are the things you can't manufacture. Um, so we hope you're enjoying this discussion. We're going to take a short break, and we're going to be right back here on Younger and Older. See you shortly. Hey, welcome back to Younger and Older with Jason and Dave, and we are having a conversation about relationships and how relationships isn't something that you can manufacture. I think it's something that takes intentionality. It starts with our relationship with God, and it overflows then in, into our relationship with others, and that's a biblical concept. You it know, is. we talk about you know the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and the second is like it: love your neighbor as yourself. And so it's putting others' people's needs before your own, yep. and it's when you don't do that. You know, that it becomes all about yourself. And I think at times many of us do that, you know, where we use either relationships that we're in for our own selfish gain, whether we admit that or not. You know, we, we try to manipulate or use people. Um, and so within that fallen context, what people have done is they've tried to come up with their own solution to try to, to, to make relationships work for themselves without having to do the hard work of putting others first. Yeah. You know, and, and David, you found a headline, which I is did. crazy. Yeah, and this it? is a, it, on, a, on a formal publication, Business Insider, where a couple has sworn that making a, a yearly four-page relationship contract is is what makes the relationship work. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, as an old guy, look at this and go, no kidding. <laughs> I must say, and I've been married to my wife almost five and a half years, and never in my life have I'm like, hmm, let me write four pages on what our relationship, you know, requirements should be yeah. each year. It sounds more like you're buying a lawnmower. But anyway, let me <laughs> a, a couple. Here's what I think. First of all, the problem with a lot of relationships is we we go into them as an arrangement. In other words, um, you do this, I do this. You know, we, I used to do that when I played football. If they were filming us 
and it was practice, I would talk to the defensive lineman, I mean the offensive lineman that I was going against. Yeah. And it was pretty much, you lean on me, I lean on you, we both look good in the films. <laughs> in other words, you we're not going to hit each other. Right. We're going to make it look like we're hitting each other. Right. So that the guys on the films go, good good job. So I'll let you get a good block. you got to let me go by you once in a while. Right. You know what I mean? We're going to do that. Now, that's an arrangement. That's hilarious. And, and it, sometimes it didn't work either because the coaches knew we were making arrangements out there so we wouldn't have to hit, so then you have to go out and hit more. But reg- <laughs> regardless, you've made arrangements. In life, there are people that do that. And, and the only reason, and I want to be clear about this, the only reason to make an arrangement is so that you can get out of it one day and it not be your fault. Right. God teaches us that we should have commitments, not arrangements. Right. Commitments are forever there is no way out. That's what a commitment is. That, by definition, is what it is. Mm-hmm. So when you get married, if somebody's out there and they're thinking about getting married or, or hope to get married or they are married, the idea is to be committed to each other, not to make an arrangement. Right. There is nothing that you should do ever in your life that would cause you to walk away from that relationship. Mm-hmm. Nothing. So I have a responsibility not to do something that would cause me to walk away. This article drove me nuts for several reasons. First of all, it said a couple swears by a four-year, four-page relationship contract. Here's what psychologists say. I, I just want you to notice the words that are used. Here's what psychologists say. Who? <laughs> Who are? <laughs> Who are these people? There's a better word down here that you got to play with here. What they, what they say here is, um, look at the language uh, described to, to love. It's talking about falling in love and et cetera. And then it says, the experts say, many experts say, some experts say. Who are those experts? They're the love gurus. Yeah, but they, they, that must be a pretty big group. I don't even know who that is. I know. <laughs> I, they, I think they used to do a television call, called The Love Boat or something. But I, <laughs> who are these experts? I mean, when you read right. something and it says, experts say. Immediately right. you get real serious, like, oh, the experts? Oh, the experts. They, wait, this is important. This is... Is there know. a group of people somewhere called the experts? There must be, because... Am I part of that? I doubt it. No, I am not. <laughs> I would know if I'm part of a group called the experts, because they're quoted so much. Right, right. There are some people I would like to meet, and I would like to meet the experts. Right. Well, it's funny is some of the experts say this, and then others, it's like... So there's experts, and then there's others. There are other experts, and there's experts. It depends on what expert camp you're in. Right. But you can be an expert. Right. And this this observation, I think, is a good one. This is a kind of a sidebar to our discussion. It is. Because we read a lot on social media, and, and we take everything as fact. Right. You know, and in a world where, where there's so much fake or, or even exaggerated content— just be mindful of what you read. And so even as we read this, we take it with a grain of salt. I mean, it's right. – but the realizing that, you know, there are people out there that do this. Yeah, the, the words that are used so far are psychologists and experts. Right. So it, what it does is it gives you the idea that these people really know what they're talking about. After all, they're psychologists and experts. Right. You know, it's kind of like the two other people I'd like to meet is someone and no one. So if I called you an educator and an expert – that would be great. It, it makes people you, have to listen. Yeah, everything you say is concrete. Yeah, but here at camp, I, I want to meet someone and no one, because it's like, could somebody do that, please? <laughs> and and nobody and nobody shows up. That's right. That's right. And then you ask, who did this? Nobody. 
That's right. So I want to meet those two people. I want to meet nobody. I want to meet somebody. Somebody and nobody. And, and I also want to meet the experts. So there's there's three groups of people <laughs> that I would love to meet. That's great. I love that. And I've never, I'm 61 years old, and I have never met somebody this in group, in the, in anyone in those categories. Gotcha. So anyway, this, kind, this is talking about the experts. And here, here's kind of what they're saying. They're saying that, this one couple has found real joy in the fact that they, they write down an agreement. Real joy. Real Sorry, joy. Sorry, keep going. In, in, in this writing of an agreement that's four pages, single-spaced, so that they could live together, not get married, but they could live together and, and have worked out all of the details, including a schedule for sexual encounters. And I'm sitting here thinking, you have got to be kidding this, me. It's silly. Like, it's almost silly. Like, it is silly. Yeah. Well, they say this, though. And again, I, I, you know, there's, there's some truth. The funny thing about articles like this and people saying stuff is there's some truth in it enough to, that the experts would say. Right. You know, or the psychologists would say. And, and it draws you in to a certain degree because you think there's some truth in there, so the whole thing's got to be true. Right. No, no. The greatest lies in the world have truths mixed in them to make them acceptable. Right. Relationships are about commitments, not arrangements. I want you to keep that in mind. Right. It, and what they say, there's a line here that, that they say, like anything nice in your life, if you want something nice to happen, you've got to schedule it. So you have to schedule the nice things that you, happen. You have to schedule the nice things. So I'm going to really? come and pat you on the head later, and that would be a nice thing. Thank you. you and know, I'll schedule do. laughter at 3 o'clock. Thank you. Very good. Okay. That, that's very nice of you. So... <laughs> <laughs> And then we have a great. I mean, that's how silly it is. And then sounds. we have a great relationship. That's right. That's right. Because at nine o'clock, I went over and tapped him on the head, and three o'clock, he laughed about it. That's right. Yeah, that's goofy. And that's exactly what we're seeing here. There's a there's studies that are done, and one of the things that you always want to ask yourself is is what is this study trying to say? Because a lot of times the studies they go out there and try and prove something. Right. They're not really trying to find out anything. They're trying to prove a point that they've made. So this group anyway goes through and it's talking about experts' contracts and, and contracts needed. And, and, and they said the contract could be about things like, you know, when somebody comes and visits, how do you treat them? Who pays for what, et cetera. You know, I, I was just telling our students at Nicolet Bible Institute, I really believe that when you get married, the Bible makes it clear that you have forsaken everybody else, and you and your spouse are one. Right. You're one. Right. I like it that you take each other's name. I like that because it demonstrates a oneness. Yeah. Now, you, you don't have to do that, I understand, but I like that part right. of it. Right. I, I like the fact that my wife and I, we have one checking account. We have one bank account. In fact, we even put everything in my name or hers, not and. Mm -hmm. That's because we trust each other. Right. The truth of the matter is my wife can take and take everything we have and leave me. Right. I'm that vulnerable because everything we have is my name or hers, not mine and hers. Right. And, and so there are little things you can do in life to keep solidifying the fact that you have a committed relationship and not one that's a contractual right. relationship. And some might be thinking, well, that's pretty dangerous. No commitment. Is, because you're on a commitment. So why would it be dangerous? Yeah, why would it be? If I said that for the rest of my life, right. I would be committed to this woman. Right. And, and to what's best for her and to what's right for our family. And if I said that, it has 
no boundary at the one end. It right. starts somewhere where I say I'm going to do it, but it doesn't end. Right. If if there's sickness in the in the family, if there's if there's a poverty, if there's rich, it doesn't matter. Right. We are not going to separate from each other, and we are not going to throw in the towel. Here's another sidebar, but I feel like it goes with the discussion. I don't understand when people say, "Well, I fell out of love with that person." Yeah. You know, it's just like I think that goes back in the into what we've been talking about. Where was the relationship all about you in the first place? Yeah. And is and is it not serving you anymore? So you quote unquote fell out of love. Yeah. You know, and and it, I mean, I think it, this is not just about marriage. I think it's about any relationship that we're in. You know, if you have friendships, are you trying to make that person successful and to love them? Or are you trying to boost your own ego or, you know, sell? I mean, there's a byproduct, you know, Dave, I hang out with you and, you know, there is a byproduct that, that encourages me. I feel challenged, you know, and it's fun, you know, but that's not why I'm in a relationship right. with you, you know, but even though that's a byproduct. It, yeah, there's always byproducts. You know, what's you interesting know. is you go look in the Bible and God says that we need to choose to love him, choose right. to love our wife. It says that we need to love our enemies. Right. Uh-oh. Right. Now, what this means is that love has a certain characteristic. To right, it. right. What's the characteristic? You choose. You choose to. Do to. It. It's it goes back to that commitment aspect. Now, your enemy did not do anything to earn your love. Right. Or even your respect, probably. But you're right. to love your enemy. Right. So you know, I, I I've talked to husbands who have struggled and said, you know, I'm just. I'm not in love with my wife, and I'm, and I I go right there. What you're talking about? Well, what do you mean? Right. You don't have the ooey gooey feeling. You don't have. I mean, what what do you mean? Right. Because love has always been about a choice. Right. It hasn't been about a feeling. Right. You can choose to love anybody. That's right. Absolutely. So if you are married today, you have to understand something. You choose to love people. You don't feel it. Mm-hmm. The feelings come as a byproduct of making the right choices. Mm-hmm. And when you make the right choices, there is a feeling that will be there. Right. But that's not always, you know, think how Jesus felt. Did Jesus love everybody? Yeah. Sure he does, and he still does. Yeah. But look at his life. Right. He was despised and rejected by man. Right. He was crucified. Mm-hmm. But he loved the people that were doing it to him. Right. That's the lesson right there. He continued his commitment to the very end and died. And the people that crucified him were the people he was dying for. Mm-hmm. That's what love is. Right. It's not about using somebody for me. Jesus wasn't using the people. Jesus, God, he doesn't need us in order to be God. Yeah. He didn't even need to intervene in this world or in, in this life. He didn't need to do that. Mm-hmm. That's what love is. You want to know love, go into the scriptures, go into the New Testament, go into Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the first four books. Read one of them. They're right. called the Gospels. Read it. Yep. And get to know who Jesus is and say, that's what love is, and that's what I need to do right. if I'm going to love people. And when you do that, I promise you, the feelings part mm-hmm. will take care of itself yeah. down the road. And, and the part about your needs being met, they're only going to be net, met if you live in the context of how you're actually made. 
Right. Absolutely. And so hopefully you've been encouraged or challenged in your relationships today. And like you said, you know, the ultimate example of what it looks like is Jesus. And so spend some time with him and, and see that, you know, and I mean, he, the verse that comes to mind is greater love is known than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. And that's what Jesus did, you know, um, and that's the amazing thing. And so if this is something that's, that's really broken you, you know, talk to somebody about it. Think about your relationship. If you need somebody to talk to, go to relate365.com and go to the bottom and you can click on a link and you could talk to somebody about the stuff that is going on in your life. Or you could go to our, our past podcasts and, and be encouraged in other ways as, as you listen into other conversations that we have had. But we thank you for joining us today. And we look forward to the next time that you can tune in and join in on our discussions. For Jason and Dave, this is Younger and Older. We'll see you next time.